While you're turning there, we are um, continuing in our flight over the Bible, the Bible from 30,000 feet. And sometimes when you're flying, you look out a window and you look at the vast expanse and see all of it. And sometimes you break your neck trying to look at right down below you whenever I fly In and out of Des Moines, I like to try to figure out which way we're coming in from and and try to see if I recognize anybody or uh, any location. Oh, that's Indianola or my dog's loose or what? No, no. The dog's always loose at our place, all right? But um, today, first off, we're just going to look at the big picture. What we've already seen in Genesis, the key idea was beginnings and ruin. The nation, talking about the nation Israel, it was chosen. The people were prepared. God's character was shown as powerful and sovereign. God's role, he was the creator. And God's command, let there be, and you fill in the blank. Exodus, the key idea is redemption. The nation was delivered, the nation Israel was delivered from the bondage in Egypt. The people were redeemed. God's character was merciful. His role as a deliverer and God's command was let my people go. In Leviticus, the key idea was worship. The nation was set apart. The people were taught, they were taught the heart of God, that God's character is holy, his role is the one who sanctifies, and his command is, be ye holy. In the book of Numbers, they were wandering, Uh, the key idea was wandering, the nation was directed and tested, God's character is that he is a just God that you would not enter the promised land apart from his justice. His role was the sustainer. He kept them alive those 40 years in the wilderness and sustained them. And then he came and said, it's time to go in. Deuteronomy, the book that we're looking at now, the key idea is a renewed covenant. The nation was made ready to go into the promised land. The people were retaught. God's character is as a loving father, a loving Lord. His role is as one who rewards. And God's command is to obey. Those are helpful bullet points for the various books that we've already looked at. Now, in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is saying goodbye to the nation of Israel. If you remember, um, those that would not go into the promised land, that generation, because they saw the giants, God said, fine, you will die in the wilderness. Now, their children are ready to go into the wilderness, and... um, They have seen their parents 
die in the wilderness because of their unbelief and rebellion. So Moses is reteaching this generation. You, you read through the book of Deuteronomy and it's like, wait a minute, haven't I read this before? Yes, much of it you have read before. And he is now reteaching this new generation that's ready to go in. The book of Deuteronomy is a very, very important book. It's referred to 350 times in the Old Testament and 95 times in the New Testament. Jesus quotes from the book of Deuteronomy more than he does any of the other first five books of the Bible. And um, he really places the, the importance on it. The book of Deuteronomy, if you'll remember, it is a book of transition. They're going from the wilderness into the promised land. And with that, the transition is there is a new generation. They have a new possession. They now have a land that is their own. They have a new experience. They now are living in homes. They'll have an opportunity. They've never lived in homes before. Think of that. Forty years of camping. Wouldn't you love that, right? Not with a fifth wheel, with a tent. And so now a brand new experience for them in many ways. And also a new revelation. Reference to God's love has not been made until the book of Deuteronomy. And in the book of Deuteronomy, 21 times God mentions his love and that it is not just keeping rules and regulations. He brings a whole new revelation, the gospel of the love of God. Deuteronomy is a book of transition. The book of Acts in the New Testament is a book of transition. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Old Testament. The book of Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. There are many, many similarities in those. We don't have time to go into them. But again, this is Moses' farewell address. How many of you have heard reference to George Washington's farewell address. Okay, we've referred to it many times here. Probably one of George Washington's most famous speeches and much that we can learn from, although we won't go down that road today. But in the farewell address, Moses, in the first three chapters, deals with the historical. He's looking back. And he reminds them that um, they're now at the point where God said, okay, you've been in the wilderness long enough. And Moses reminds them of what has taken place in the wilderness. About 1.2 million people died in the wilderness. It's easy to read that. But you read in your big book, you saw that it said that's the equivalent to 85 funerals a day 
or seven deaths every waking hour for 38 years. I asked Dave this morning, I said, what's the most funerals you've done in a week? He said, nine. We can't even comprehend. This is this generation now that is getting ready to go into the promised land have lived that all they knew was death for 38 years. I mean, 85 funerals a day. And it is a vivid message that the wages of sin is death. So God now comes to them and he said, you've been here long enough. That's a verse you can quote to people that stay too long when they come to see you, okay? Just give them the reference of it. You've been here long enough. But the reality is they were eager and anxious to move on. We can't comprehend this. I try to wrap my mind around That many deaths, 1.2 million deaths in in that time. So Moses reminds them in the first three chapters, he looks at the past and, and a historical marker. And then in chapters 4 through 26, he gives regulations for the present. So he reminds them, and in reading many of those things, you'll be reminded, wait, didn't I read this in the book of Leviticus? And yes, you did, but he's reteaching these because this is a new generation. And in Deuteronomy, we have a second giving of the law, or rather a new expanding of it to the new generation who had grown up in the wilderness and they needed to have have the law repeated to them and expounded upon before they entered into Canaan. Deuteronomy is not giving a new law, but an explanation of that which was already given. So in chapters 4 through 26, He's given regulations for how they should live. And then in chapters 26 through 34, Moses really zeroes in on his farewell address, and he gives them preparation for the future. And in that, what you would typically find in a farewell address, Moses makes two statements. I am old. And I can't do what I used to. Now, Moses started serving God at 80 years old. He's now 120 years old. And um, and we see from Moses' life that it's never too late to start serving God. And we also learn from Moses' life that God's plan never depends on one single leader. You know, we get thinking in our life that that one person is, everything revolves around one person. No, it doesn't. It revolves around one person, that's God Almighty. 
And God raises up and God puts down, and we see that here. Moses, incredibly prepared by God to do what he did, but now it was time for Moses to hand the baton to Joshua, and God is showing us that no one is indispensable to God's work. And it is important for us to realize that. But in Deuteronomy chapter 10, if you would turn there, in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 11, Then the Lord said to me, Moses, Arise, begin your journey before the people, that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 12, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command you today for your good? Now, What does the Lord God require of you? That is an excellent question to be asked as they are standing here about ready to enter into the promised land. What are we supposed to do here? So again, the picture of entering the promised land is we have been redeemed from the bondage of sin in Egypt. But now we want the full blessing of God. What does God require of me to be fully blessed of God? And throughout the book of Deuteronomy, we find a number of things. And and we want to mention several of these this morning. Um, Just kind of as skipping a stone over these, um, touching on them. And, and trust God will bring them home to our hearts. What does God require us to do? Turn to chapter 4 of Deuteronomy. Notice verse 1. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe, that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. Notice notice God's goal, and, and we'll come back to this. I want you to live. I want you to have life. Sounds like Jesus Christ saying, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. There should be no one that has a more abundant life, a more joyful life than a follower of Jesus Christ. And he's not just giving these regulations, do this, do this, do this. He's saying, do you want to have life, an abundant life? I almost use the term your best life now, but I don't like the connotation of that, all right? But our best life will be in eternity. But the reality is God intends us to have abundant life. And so he says, this is what I require of thee. First of all, listen to God's word. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I give you. We must expose ourselves to the word of God. 
this last week at the conference we attended, uh, someone shared quickly, and I tried to jot it down, and I, I couldn't find the survey yet. I hope to someday. But Woodward Kroll, who used to be with Back to the Bible, a couple years ago um, conducted a survey and found that when individuals were exposed to the Word of God once a week, it didn't have much difference in their life. Twice a week, it didn't have much difference. Three times a week, not a whole lot. But when they were exposed to the Word of God four times a week, it reduced loneliness by 30%. It reduced anger by 32%. It reduced bitterness by 40%. It reduced alcoholism by 55%, and it reduced pornography by 61%. Exposure to the Word of God. Not once, not twice, not three times. I don't know what there is, but what it's telling me is you can't have victory in your life by just sampling a little bit of the Word. We need to saturate in the Word of God. We need to listen to the Word of God. We, The more we expose ourselves to the Word of God, the better our life will be. Then he goes on, and he says in chapter 4, verse 3, Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor. For the Lord your God has destroyed from among you all the men who followed Baal Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. Moses is teaching them. Turn over to chapter 10. And he said, you saw what happened to those that resisted God. You've seen the plagues brought on by obedience disobedience to God and rebellion against God. Notice chapter 10 and verse 12. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord require of you but to fear the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways? So Moses is saying, you younger people, this generation, this new generation, you've seen what God did to your parents, to the people that resisted God, And it brought death. He's saying, you better fear God. And in chapter 10, he says, what does God require of you? But to fear God. It doesn't mean to run away from him, but it means to understand blessing and cursing are in his hand. Life and death literally are in his hand. Our breath is in his hand. He has all authority and he is to be feared. So he says, what does God require of you? To listen to God. And then understand to fear God. God is a mighty God. And you've just seen in the wilderness what's happened. And then he says to them, go back to chapter 4. And verse 9, only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Look at chapter 6 and verse 12. 
he makes it a little more bold. Then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So he says, I need you to listen to the word of God. I need you to fear God. I need you to remember God and what he has done. Beware lest you forget the Lord which has brought you out of the land of Egypt. Remember what God has done in your life. It is, it is so easy for us to forget about our salvation and just take it for granted that I went from condemned on my way to hell, one heartbeat away from hell, and Jesus Christ rescued me. I am now a child of His. Don't forget what God has done. You've had God answer prayers in your life, and, and yet it's easy now to forget what God has done. You've seen God give direction in your life, and it's easy to forget what God has done. And he's saying to the children of Israel, you're going to come into this land that's flowing with milk and honey. You're going to build homes. You've never had homes before. You're going to drive nice cars, nice chariots, whatever. You're going you're to have all these blessings and beware lest you forget God. You want to know what made America great? God. And you know our problem today? We're forgetting God. And the same thing is true in our own life. There, there are people that forget that they prayed, God, God, would you please send me someone that I can spend the rest of my life with? And now they're, they're forgetting that God answered that prayer and they're figuring out how to not spend the rest of their life with them. They're going through life fussing and fighting. They forget, wait a minute, God answered that prayer. Beware lest you forget God. It's something every one of us is prone to do, to forget the blessings of God. We, we are so mightily blessed, and we will go home and walk into our heated, we, we, we walk out of a warm church too warm this morning, I'll tell you. We walk out of a warm church, sit in our car with heated seats and warm, you know, defrost in the windows. You can, you don't even have to, if you let it run long enough, you don't even have to get out and scrape windows. And, and we go into our warm house and we sit down to a, uh, I don't know what you're having. We're having ham and scalloped potatoes. I check those things before I come, you know. Sit, you look something to look forward to. You sit down and eat a nice meal, and you go lay in a nice bed, and you get up and and look for snacks around the house, and then we grumble. This is God's doing. God has given it. He's a, and and don't tell me, but I work for it. I work. You only work because God gave you a body that could work and a brain that worked, and that's the only reason. And there's a lot of people around the world that have worked harder than any of us here, and they still have nothing. And we forget God. Every day we ought to get up and say, God, I am the most undeserving. He says, beware lest you forget God. You'd think, how could they forget God? I mean, they, they're just stepping out of all this death 
And they're stepping into this land of milk and honey and clusters of grapes. But he said, remember. Remember God and what he has done. That's why you need to journal the things God has done, because you won't remember them. Number four, we need to go on. Look at chapter 6 and verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Not just remember the Lord, but love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. Do you understand, by our lifestyle, we either stimulate our children for God or drive them away from God. And that is all upon our love for God or our lack of love for God. Our love for God that He ought to be the number one thing in our life. And love for God doesn't just mean reading your Bible and going to church. It, it means that it affects our whole life and spirit. And our life will either stimulate our children for God or drive them away. Love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Number 5, chapter 6 and verse 5. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, soul, strength. And verse 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And ye shall teach them diligently to your children, and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlet between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. You obey God's commands and teach them to your children and grandchildren. We obey God's commands personally. Then we teach those commands to our children and our grandchildren. Very, very important. It's not, it's not just for us. He says, you want to have a full life? You want to have an abundant life? This is what you need to do. Turn to chapter 28. Chapter 28. If you haven't read chapter 28, it is must-reading. It's a long chapter, but it is must-reading. It breaks into two, two areas. Number one, in verse one, Now it shall come to pass if, circle that word, mark that word in your mind, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you. And he lists blessings. We're not going to go into them. From there all the way down through verse 14. Then, he says in verse 15, But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you, and the rest of the chapter are curses that he says it's up to you. You can either trust me by obeying me, 
or you're going to not trust me and you will disobey me and bear these curses. But the bottom line is you will find that God is to be trusted. You're either going to trust me if you obey my commands. Why should I obey your commands? God says, number one, it's just my command. And I'm right in all my ways. But God said, if you obey me, these blessings will be upon you. And if you do not, these curses will be upon you. Are you going to trust God? And then lastly, to to have things go well for you. Doesn't mean there won't be trials, but even in the midst of the trials, there will be blessing. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. Here we have Moses speaking to this generation, new generation. And he said, verse 19 of chapter 30, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, Jacob, to give them. He said here, choose life. I set before you life and death. He says, choose life. Look at the nation of Israel. They are a living commentary on the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 28, he said, if you follow after the foreign gods, he said, I will scatter you from the land. This has happened two different times. Israel has been scattered throughout the face of the earth. We'll look tonight at covenants that God made and and covenants that he made in the books we've already looked at. But God promised to Israel that he would bring them back. And God says to them, choose life. You know what? Every day you choose life or death by choosing God or your own way. He said in in verse, in chapter 4, turn to chapter 4 just quickly. Chapter 4. Notice verse 6, Therefore be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. That's what they will say, he said, when you obey my commands. Wow, this is a great people of wisdom and understanding. Why? When you follow God's ways, it brings wisdom, it brings understanding. No book in all the Word of God pictures better the life that lives according to God's will and the blessings showered upon it, the richness 
and the fullness of spiritual living like the book of Deuteronomy. If you want a taste of heaven on earth, familiarize yourself with the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9, he said, Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, a faithful God, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to the thousandth generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. You know what? Every one of us, regardless of our upbringing, regardless of our education, regardless of our fiscal standing, Every one of us can love God and keep his commandments. And God said that this is what not necessarily require of thee, because he doesn't make us do it. He gives us the free will. But he said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that it may be well with both you and your seed. So he gives to us life and death, and the command that he gives is obey. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would clearly see the next step that you want us to take. And I pray that we would learn to love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. And I pray that our lives would be lived in such a way that people would be drawn to you due to the abundance of the fruit of your Spirit in our lives. Lord, we personally acknowledge our dependence on you. And I pray that we would not forget what you've already done for us. And I pray that we would show your power in an abundant manner as we choose life by choosing you first. We pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed. What have you been choosing in your life? Have you been choosing life? Have you been exposing yourself over and over and over to the Word of God? Have you forgotten what things God has done? Have you forgotten where you were? Have you forgotten where you could be apart from God? I have set before you life and death. Therefore, choose life. As the instrument begins to play, What do you need to say, God, forgive me for choosing my own way? God, I submit to you. Perhaps you haven't even chosen Jesus Christ. If you're here today and have never trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin, I would urge you to see someone before you leave and let us help you know that your sins are forgiven. But Christian, you're here today. What have you been choosing? Choosing to continue to wander in the wilderness. You belong to God, but it's 
of wandering in the wilderness because we refuse to submit in some area of our life. Lord, I pray that we would choose life. I pray that your spirit would would continue to pursue our hearts and that we would have no rest until we submit to you and know the joy of submission to you. Lord, help us to not forget you and all that you have done. And I pray that we would choose life We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Fear the Lord. He is coming again.